Oregon district attorneys are elected in every county and serve four-year terms. This election cycle, Multnomah County is voting for a district attorney to fill the role when current DA Rod Underhill retires. Mike Schmidt has over two decades of experience as a prosecutor, and now he's running for that Multnomah County DA position. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Emily. Welcome to X-Ray. We are excited that you are here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. First off, tell us, who are you and why are you running? Yeah, so like you said, my name's Mike Schmidt, uh, and I am first and foremost a a father of two boys and a husband who lives in southeast Portland. Um, But I'm running because I believe that our criminal justice system needs major reform now. Uh, And so my background is really in that. You know, I started off as a public high school teacher uh, in New Orleans where I saw my kids uh, be witnesses to crime, victims of crime, children of incarcerated parents, uh, and sometimes defendants. So I really got to see the school-to-prison pipeline up close, and it made me want to get involved into the criminal justice system. Uh, So I went and got a job at the Multnomah County District Attorney's Office. I prosecuted there from 2007 to 2013. Uh, and although I felt like I was doing good work, I knew I wasn't really changing the system. Uh, so I jumped out. I went to the legislature, and then for the last about seven years, I've been at a, a state agency and been the director of a state agency uh, called the Criminal Justice Commission, uh, where we do criminal justice reform work, uh, working on how can we keep communities safer by making investments into the things that drive crime. So how can we deal with mental health Uh, issues? How can we deal with drug addiction? Uh, And instead of just warehousing people in prison for a couple years, uh, but actually treat and look at the root causes of the problems uh, and work on those things. So that's why I'm running for DA. You know, I think there's a lot of things at stake in this race. Uh, I think we need a district attorney who will stand up to ICE and immigration, protect our immigration communities, our immigrant communities. Uh, I think we need somebody who will hold police officers accountable when they break the law. They have an incredibly hard job to do, and most of them do it uh, dramatically well. But as we can see with the West Lynn uh, Police Department and the Michael Fesser case going on right now, sometimes police officers cross that line, and and they need to be held accountable. Uh, And finally, I think we need to give people hope. When they get caught up in the criminal justice system, it can lead to hopelessness. And when that happens people lose uh, the reason why they want to reform and rehabilitate. So we need to give them a chance. If they do the work, stop committing crime, stop getting arrested, do the treatment, we need to be there for them to expunge their old drug convictions so that they can get housing and jobs. Mm. Uh, So there's a lot of things uh, to do in this race, and that's why I'm running. Mm. I was reading some analysis in the Portland Tribune, and they characterized this race as two candidates who are opposites. Do you think that that's a fair analysis of you and your competitor and what you're running for? Yeah, yeah, I really do. Um, I think, you know, what's at stake in this race is really change, in a word. Uh, You know, my opponent is a a career prosecutor. Uh, Everything he's done in his entire career has just been prosecution. Uh, That's not me. Uh, I did that. I have that experience. I've driven a caseload. I've worked on felony crimes. I've been in drug courts. I've worked on behalf of victims to get them restitution, uh, get them compensated for their loss. Uh, So I've done that work. But I think importantly, I've gotten out of that system. And it's given me a much broader perspective about what this job really is about. Mm -hmm. And that's looking at things like, how does the choices the district attorney makes 
interact with our foster care system. Because I'll tell you what, if you send the pr a parent to prison, you're adding a child to the foster care system. Uh, how does it interact with our health care system? You know, when we see that our jails and our prisons are our biggest homeless shelters and mental health and addiction treatment facilities in the state, you know that we've been doing things the wrong way for a long time. Uh, and the district attorney gets to play a role in those things. So yes, I think uh, there's a lot at stake in this race. Um, we are uh, a couple opposites. It really is kind of a choice that Multnomah County has not had in, in decades uh, to choose what type of a criminal justice system uh, you'd like to see. One that is focused on reform uh, and, and changing the way things are done or the status quo. Mm. What are some of the primary ways that you want to reform this system in, let's say, your first year as a district as a as a district attorney? Sure. So there's two real levels to this. Um, as the Multnomah County District Attorney, you are the leader of the largest district attorney's office in the state. And what that means is that the legislature looks to you, the governor's office looks to you, to be a leader on criminal justice policy. So. On the one level, I wanna be an advocate for statewide criminal justice reform. And I started off this race talking about how I won't seek the death penalty. Uh, I would be the first prosecutor in the state to, to take that pledge. Uh, and fundamentally it's because one, we don't actually, there's a moratorium on the death penalty in Oregon right now. Uh, so we don't actually use it. And those cases are incredibly expensive to pursue. So it's a waste of money. I'd rather have that money freed up and be spent on victim services than to pursue a penalty that we know we're not gonna impose anyway. Uh, and quite frankly, sometimes we get it wrong. Uh, nationally, we see that one in nine people sentenced uh, to a death sentence end up getting exonerated because of actual innocence. So the state messes up sometimes. Uh, I've talked about how we need to end cash bail. Um, holding somebody in jail before they're convicted of anything just because they don't have any money or they don't have the resources to post you know, a couple hundred dollars in bail, just fundamentally is not a fair system. It treats different people unequally. So if you have money, you get to get out, but if you don't, you get held, that's not fair. We need to get rid of anywhere in our system where money makes a determination on what kind of justice you receive. Uh, I've talked about mandatory sentencing. You know, the, the voters in Oregon uh, adopted Measure 11 back in uh, 1994. Uh, and what that did is it shifted the power uh, to decide what the sentence would be away from judges into prosecutors. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that's the way our system should work. I think prosecutors should go in the courtroom and make their best arguments. Defense attorneys should make their best arguments. Judges should hear from victims. And they should be able to, on a case-by-case -case basis, make their best uh, judgment in terms of what a sentence should be. I think we need to shift that discretion back to judges. So those are a lot of the statewide uh, policy things that are at issue. Uh, in Multnomah County, locally, what you can expect to see if I get elected uh, is going to be uh, transparency, like hasn't been seen before in district attorney's offices. Uh, at my statewide commission job, I've built dashboards so that you can go online and actually see in real time the data of who's getting arrested and convicted and incarcerated in Oregon's systems. But the, the missing piece of information in that has been what happens in prosecutor agencies. You know, I want to fix that. I want to be one of the first in the country to make district attorney prosecutorial data uh, transparent so that the public can actually see what's going on. 
So that'll be one of my big projects uh, right out of the gate is to, to work on doing that. Obviously, it requires a budget and resource to do that. And, you know, we might be coming on some hard budgetary times uh, due to the COVID crisis that, that we're in right now. But that is going to be one of my priorities uh, is, is building that transparency and legitimacy into our local county office. Mm. So sometimes change comes easier when you push on it from the outside. Because if you're within the system, uh, you know, the systems are, are built to sustain themselves. How do you imagine creating some of these reforms from within the system? You've said that budget is one of the uh, critical components of this. How do you imagine getting these reforms done? Yeah, well, you know, I've, I've kind of been working on it from both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a prosecutor, like I said, uh, in this county. Uh, so I know what it's like to be in the office. I know what it's like to push a caseload. And I know what it's like to be a low-level deputy uh, who wants to see how things can be done differently. Uh, and you really, it was my experience that I really couldn't have much impact on change from within, mm-hmm. like you say. Uh, and that's why I got out. You know, I felt like I could have a bigger impact uh, going down to the legislature and working at a commission that focuses on this. Uh, and I've seen that we've had a lot of success. There's been a lot of great uh, criminal justice reform passed by the legislature and signed by the governor. Um, in this last session, they narrowed uh, the the statute for the death penalty. They um, changed that juveniles, uh, that kids should be treated like kids instead of being automatically, if charged with certain crimes, put into adult court. Mm-hmm. Um, we've worked on decreasing disparity in the system. So we've done a lot of great uh, changes at the statewide level. Uh, but one of the key components and one of the, the challenges at getting a lot of that change enacted uh, has really been um, the district attorneys. Uh, they, they have an association. It's a very powerful association. Uh, like I said, legislators and others look to them to be leaders uh, in the community for what type, what type of criminal justice policy the state should pursue. Uh, and so I want to be a voice amongst the district attorneys that is pushing for reform. Mm. I think it's something that's been really missing uh, in this state. And so I think with that, I can actually have uh, a lot of voice in terms of driving criminal justice reform across uh, Oregon and here locally, too, in Multnomah County. Mm. So as I look at the Secretary of State website and I see the faces of the district attorneys across the state of Oregon, just from a, a total you know, assumption uh, I see a very narrow representation of our community in those spaces, both from a gender gender spectrum perspective, but also from a racial perspective. How will you, if you're elected as district attorney, make sure that you're representing the diversity and the intersectionality of identities that we all bring to the world? Yeah, yeah, it's a great observation. You're absolutely right. Uh, the majority of district attorneys elected in the state are male, uh, they are cisgender or white, um, and, and that is not uh, necessarily representative. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I, but I fall in that exact same category. So it's something that I have to work on. Uh, throughout this campaign, uh, I've really built a lot of relationships, uh, and not only just during the campaign, but I've had some of these relationships before working on statewide work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm very proud to be supported by groups like uh, PACUN and the Latino Network and Unite Oregon, who works with immigrant communities, and Apano. Uh, and so I've got a lot of, of support from uh, different groups that, that advocate for on behalf of communities of color uh, in our community. I really look forward to, to working with them. We've already had some great conversations about things that the district attorney's office could do uh, 
uh, to make sure that we are incorporating, you know, their voice and their perspective. Things like Epano uh, has, a, has a beautiful building uh, out on Southeast 82nd. Uh, you know, I could partner with them. We've had this conversation where we could go out and hold an expungement clinic uh, in their building so that they could reach out to their network and their community and bring them in. I've talked to Unite Oregon about how we could uh, work on some sort on some uh, certain level of crimes uh, and deal with them in a more restorative justice manner uh, in the community. Again, working with the community groups. So I think there's a lot of opportunity uh, in the coalition that we've built in this race uh, to bring those voices in, make sure they have representation. But it it doesn't stop there. Uh, it really also is making sure that in our hiring decisions within the office. Uh, that we're bringing in um, diverse perspectives, uh, obviously racially diverse, gender diversity, uh, and also just lived experience diverse. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've talked to some folks uh, who have been formerly incarcerated themselves that have been in the system, uh, and now they're looking at wanting to go to law school and wanting to come in and work in the system. I think that would be a tremendous perspective to have uh, somebody who has turned around their life, gotten it back on track, and done the hard work of going to law school and wanting to become a prosecutor, you know, I think that's a fantastic uh, lived experience to bring into the office. So, you know, it's incumbent upon me if elected to recognize, you know, my own bias and blind spots and privilege Mm -hmm. uh, and realize that it will make the office stronger to bring in all those different perspectives. And I really look forward to leveraging uh, the community groups who are supporting me in this campaign uh, to get their networks activated to both be participants in the conversation and then also help me to do recruitment. And you mentioned your own personal bias. How do you manage your own bias, bias stay, keep it at the forefront so you're aware of where bias might show up? Yeah, you know, for me, it's, and like everybody, right, I think it's, a, it's an ongoing, ever proactive uh, learning effort. Uh, so part of it starts with uh, who you surround yourself with uh, and, and making sure that, you know, your friends and the people you associate with uh, will represent a, a broader uh, patch of diversity. I think it's about educating yourself and taking it upon yourself uh, to do the work um, and, and not just expect other people to educate you, but to actually yourself go out and you know, read books like White Fragility, for example, is one that I've read recently in the last uh, year or so. Um, And there's a lot of great resources and literature out there for people. Um, You know, one of the experiences I have at the Criminal Justice Commission was reading The New Jim Crow uh, by Michelle Alexander uh, and looking and talking about how the war on drugs has disproportionately impacted minority communities. Well, as a leader in the Criminal Justice Commission, I had my staff read that book. And then we applied her lessons and what she's seen nationally to Oregon locally to see if we see the exact same disparity that she was talking about in her book. And and we did. You know, so some of it, a lot of it is um, being proactive, uh, educating yourself. Um, For me, it's also been, uh, I've had the privilege of going around uh, not only our country, but uh, also the world to see how different states and different countries uh, do criminal justice. I got to go visit... uh, the Angola prison in Louisiana, which used to be a slave plantation. Uh, And I tell you, when you go and see that, you can really see how the roots of slavery have continued on into the criminal justice system. Uh, I got to go to Norway and see how they do uh, criminal justice completely differently. 
uh, and how they have a completely different reproach that is all about rehabilitation and a lot less about punishment. And they get much, they get much better results than we do, and they incarcerate a lot less. Mm. So, you know, I think it's all of those things. It's, it's being open to how other people are doing things, how other cultures are doing things. Uh, it's learning, taking, being proactive learner, um, encouraging your staff to do the same, uh, and, you know, getting out and making sure that you have those associations uh, that people can call you on and, and, and make sure that, uh, you know, you're not missing things. Mike, do you have chickens? <laughs> I do have chickens. They were just being noisy in the backyard. <laughs> hey, when you're running a campaign, you got to bring in a lot of constituents to help get it done. <laughs> and I, I appreciate that you've, you've enrolled chickens into your campaign. I was just endorsed by a hedgehog the other day on social media. So, really? you know, my, my uh, animal game is strong right now. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about endorsements. How important are endorsements in this race? And who are some of the folks that are endorsing you that you're proud of? You know, I think endorsements, especially in a race like this, are, are absolutely crucial. Uh, you know, uh, for better or worse, a lot of folks uh, don't really know what a district attorney is or does or how important it is uh, to elect this position. So um, endorsements really are that kind of um, legitimizer in the community. And I'm so proud to be endorsed. Uh, yesterday, we rolled out probably my biggest endorsement uh, of the campaign, which was Governor Kate Brown uh, endorsing me in this race, which is really just a unique thing uh, to, to have the governor uh, endorse, endorse in a local um, county election. Uh, but I'm very proud of not only the elected officials who are endorsing me, which is many, uh, pretty much most of them that are represent any place uh, in Portland or in Multnomah County, I have their endorsements. Uh, I'm very proud of being endorsed by labor. Uh, a lot of labor organizations like AFSCME and AFL-CIO, uh, the grocers who are frontline heroes uh, among many others right now, uh, union, they've endorsed me. So a lot of uh, labor, the carpenters, uh, and then uh, the community groups, which some of them I've ticked off uh, mm -hmm. already, um, Safety and Justice, uh, PAC, and then um, Latino Network and Apano and Pacoon and, and East County Rising. Uh, you know, representing out there on the East County in Gresham. Um, and so, and then just community members, you know, lots of community members have signed on, uh, lots of uh, attorneys who practice law. They understand what this job is about, uh, both defense attorneys and prosecutors. Uh, I have the sheriff, uh, Mike Reese, the entire county commission, uh, commissioners, uh, Joanne Hardesty and Chloe Udaly. Um, so it really is just an incredibly broad coalition of mm -hmm community-minded people, uh, activists, grassroots uh, folks. Um, we've had a ton of individual donor support. Um, you know, I think we've got almost twice as many individual donors as my opponent uh, because this is really a community uh, grassroots campaign. So the, the endorsements are, are really incredible, and, and I'm really honored to, to have them. But I think it's also going to tell you where my focus is going to be, where, who I'm going to be working with once I'm elected. Mm. I think you bringing up like a lot of folks don't know what a district attorney does is a really important one. This is a part of the ballot that folks might get to and be like, I don't know what that you know role does. Two guys, maybe a, pick the first one alphabetically, what have you. What does a district attorney do? Why is this position important and folks should pay attention? Yeah, well, you know, it's really different in, um, it can be different in different counties. Uh, in some of our smaller counties across the state, uh, the district attorney is in there and trying cases. 
Um, a friend of mine is the district attorney in Columbia County has endorsed me in this race, and he's got a caseload. He's carrying cases that he's trying. Uh, in a larger county like Multnomah County, that's not the case. Um, the district attorney is not trying cases, uh, you know, once once they're elected because it's such a large office. You're talking about a 40 to 45 million dollar budget that has to be managed, about 200 uh, or so uh, personnel, uh, 70 or so of them are the attorneys and the other portion are administrative staff. So it's a very managerial position, uh, which, you know, I think my experience running a state agency with a similarly sized budget uh, gives me an advantage there. Um, but then it's also a policy position. Uh, the district attorney in Multnomah County gets to set local policy on what crimes are going to be prosecuted, what should the sentences look like, uh, how should we uh, evaluate when people are committing crimes, what type of sentences should we give them the diversion uh, to give them a chance to, to get out of the criminal justice system, or should we you know, be hard chargers and hard-nosed sentencers? Um, you know, the district attorney really gets to set that policy and tone for the office. Uh, again, also, the district attorney gets to do the hiring decisions, uh, obviously, so they get to say who are becoming into the office to be our prosecutors in this community. Uh, and then uh, one of the big things that the Multnomah County DA really is, as the leader of the largest office in the state, uh, is, is a leader uh, statewide, you know, working with the governor, working with the legislature, working with the county commission uh, to not only set office policy, but to set criminal justice policy writ large for the entire community and state. Mm. Mike, how can listeners learn more about your candidacy and support your work? Yeah, thank you. So uh, we have a website, uh, www.mikeschmidt4da.com. Uh, we are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Uh, we, I've been now on uh, several podcasts, uh, other radio interviews like this, so you can check those out. Uh, I've probably been in, I think, five candidate debates at this point. A lot of those are online. Uh, and if you go to our social uh, media pages, you'll be able to find links to those. Um, been a lot of articles written about this race. So yeah, I really encourage uh, folks to, to go to the website, check out the social media, you know, uh, read up. This is really a, you know, quite frankly, um, the DA before Rod Underhill was a man named Mike Shrunk. Uh, he was first elected in 1981. Uh, we really have not had a contested DA's race, a truly contested DA's race since before then. So this is uh, almost a four decades long uh, opportunity. So for some of us, this is a once in a lifetime uh, race to, to make this decision. So I, I really encourage folks to, to read about it, learn as much as you can. Uh, and if you agree with my idea that we need change in our criminal justice system, that reform matters, uh, please consider supporting. Uh, you know, the only way that I can get the word out is to do shows like this. But also, um, you know, we have to have a, a campaign to, you know, get lawn signs and, and media and all of those things. So if you appreciate the message, um, tell your friends and, and help us spread the word. Excellent. Mike, thank you so much for joining us on X-Ray. Hey, thanks so much, Emily. Really appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Again, that's Mike Schmidt. He's a candidate for Multnomah County District Attorney. You can find out more at Mike Schmidt. 4 F-O-R-D-A dot com.